You're listening to the Diabetic Running Podcast, helping people run their blood sugars one workout at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Diabetic Running Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Fody. Today, I'm insanely excited to have Craig Steubing on the show. Many of you probably already know him well, but for those of you who don't, Craig is the host and producer of Beta Cell Podcast, an amazing podcast telling the stories about people living with type 1 diabetes. Seriously, if you don't subscribe to this podcast, I'd highly recommend doing it now. I'll wait. You're back. Awesome. Craig and I have an amazingly informative conversation about his life, his running, his diabetes, and his growing organization, Type 1 Run. So without further ado, here's my interview with Craig Steubing. So I'm joined here by Craig Steubing. Craig is 30 years old, a type 1 diabetic since he was 13, from the northern Chicago area, has been running since 2014, has ran multiple 10Ks, 5Ks, half marathons, two full marathons, one Ragnar race, is the co-founder of Type 1 Run, a photographer, a filmmaker, um, and oh yeah, the host of Beta Cell Podcast, which is probably the best diabetes-associated podcast uh, on the face of the earth. Um, Craig, do you think I missed anything? No, I'm I'm blushing a little bit, so I'm glad there's no <laughs> video. But yeah, that's that's pretty much my life in a nutshell. Awesome. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to ask is, where are you? Because I, I think I feel like everyone always wants to know kind of the surroundings for everybody. Like my 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 immediate vicinity. Ooh, I was going to go with geographically. Just city. Yeah. Oh, then, Los Angeles. Okay. I live in Los Angeles, but I'm sitting in my apartment at my desk. Nice. Uh, it, I yeah. think it. And you said it was. Uh, I think it was filmmaking and photography that's on your website that states took you out to L.A. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went to USC in Los Angeles for college, University of Southern California, and. Couldn't go back to cold winters and humid summers, so I stayed in Los Angeles. Yeah. This is going to date the interview, but I guess, I don't know, is like fire tourism a thing still right now? Like, to, are people driving around town to see if they could see, like, I don't, know, the, I don't the, know the front if line anyone, trace? I don't know if anyone was really driving towards the fires. <laughs> like, they were pretty scary. Um yeah. So I think people tried to like stay away. Uh, but it's, it's bad. Luckily it's, I'm like in the city, so there's nothing quite like near me. I'm just surrounded by concrete. Right. Um, but yeah, I think the Thomas fire up in Santa Barbara is now the fourth largest fire in California history. Wow. So to jump straight into it. So <clears throat> you diagnosed at 13 and I know we kind of had talked a little bit about, you know, you had mentioned that you were an athlete when you grew up and then kind of went away from it as you got into teen years and then into college. You started running at 27. Talk to us a little bit about kind of that transition for you and, you know, how you evolved from, you know, a type 1 diabetic into an adult and then found running. Yeah, well, I was really, you know, I mentioned that I played ice hockey as a kid. And so, I was diagnosed 13, seventh grade, and then I kind of stopped being involved with sports. You know, ice hockey was the only game I played competitively, I guess. You know, I was always very athletic in school, you know, whenever we were playing baseball, kickball, soccer, whatever. Um, loved it. And then diagnosed with type one and, you know, I remember how hard it was 
getting back into running, uh, like right after getting diagnosed, uh, I came back to school maybe three days later and I don't think I, I think I just came and visited. I don't think I like was back in class for another few days, but I remember going to gym class and just feeling like, like my muscle, like my legs were just lead. You know, kind of like if you've had like a, a good workout and then you're like sore and you just can't move as fast as you want to. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like that. Um, and it took me a while. That's because I just lost so much muscle mass and it just took me a while to get back into shape. Yeah, you're like a shell then, of your old self. Exactly. Like I – that first day after getting out of the hospital, I remember – I. It was so hard walking up one flight of stairs. I'd like stop halfway. <laughs> yeah. And it, I wasn't really out of breath. I just like didn't have the muscles to do it. It was it was almost like learning how to walk again. Uh, and so, you know, when I went to high school, um, I didn't go into like our high school hockey team. Um, and I didn't really play any other sports. I wasn't really interested in that kind of stuff. And I don't think that had anything to do with type one. Um it was a kind of thing where like looking back now, I know so much more about exercising with type one that at the time when I was playing hockey, you know, I think I did that for, that was like the tail end of the a season. And I think I might've done one more season after that where, you know, I would like test myself before a game and I would have Gatorade in case I felt low, but I wasn't monitoring it actively. I was just playing and, I don't remember ever like testing on the bench or stuff like that. I'm sure I had my stuff with me. Um, so now where I'm like running and monitoring my blood sugar, like every five minutes, it's a completely different situation. Uh, so you asked how I sort of transitioned back into running, you know, yeah. high school, college didn't really exercise at all. Um, was it cause you didn't want to, or you just didn't have the time? Or it just kind of wasn't. I think I just didn't. I think I just didn't want to. I mean, exercising's—you got to find a way to make it fun, right? And for me at the time, like it just didn't seem fun to just go out and run. Uh, So I didn't. Um, Never lifted weights. Never went biking or swimming. Yeah. um, Just nothing. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't fit, but I don't think I was out of shape or unhealthy. Yeah. Um, was it ever like a concern for you? Like personally though, like, you know, in the back of your mind, like, no. oh, I need to be exercising so I could, you know, no, I mean, I've walked, I walked everywhere, you know, walk to the grocery store, pick up groceries. So I was, I was always moving. Yeah. I wasn't living like I wasn't sedentary. I just wasn't doing cardio, you know, mm-hmm. which I probably should have been. And I know better now, but you know, college high school it's just kind of a crazy time um yeah i don't even know how i got dressed when i was in college i was such an idiot (laughs) i know you don't really remember those things anymore you know it's all kind of like a blur uh so that that shouldn't be that long ago for us i mean we're only (laughs) we're our late 20s i feel like we should remember college but i mean when did i graduate (laughs) you know it's been like seven almost seven and a half years so yeah Time flies. And, you know, so I graduated college, kind of just had a job, uh, kind of did that. And then at some point fell into the type one community. 
by reaching out to JDRF and then wanting to get involved in volunteering. And then it was actually, uh, I don't know, me and me and one of my type one friends, we were just kind of, you know, I knew other people who did marathons who didn't have type one. And that just seemed like a fun thing to do kind of, um, you know, it's not my, something you hear every day. Like, ooh, a I know. marathon. That's like a fun thing I I'm going to go do. I think it, when you it see makes other sense for runners, doing but... it, yeah, when you see other people doing it, you're like, oh, I could do that too. Like, I don't know if it's jealousy or, or what it is, but you're like, oh, that seems obtainable, you know, if you know other people who've done it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my friend kind of tricked me. She She got me to sign up for this half marathon. Uh, the Star Wars themed half marathon at Disneyland. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You know, trained for a few months, did it, had a great time. And then I was like, okay, now that I'm running, I should just keep doing it. Like I'm already in practice. And then convinced another friend of mine, Rennie, to sign up for the LA marathon. And, you know, we trained for that for months. And during that process, through my endocrinologist's office, actually got introduced to James, my co-founder of Type One Run, and you know the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a perfect spot to jump into. I, I kind of really wanted to learn more about the who, what, when, where, and why of Type One Run, kind of the mission statement, and then you know what does that, what does Type One Run mean for the diabetes community, and essentially why should every single person listening to this podcast go follow everything that is type one run online right now? Yeah. Right now, just pause your podcast, <laughs> yes. follow us and then come back and I'll tell you why you should have followed us. Um, so our motto kind of, it doesn't really explain anything, but kind of also summarizes up type one run in a nutshell. Okay. And it's leave no ones behind. And, the idea is that you're out there running as a group of people and you can feel like running with type one, you could get left behind. Like you're, if you're running with a group of normal people and your blood sugar goes low, maybe they don't want to wait for you. Um, but it could also be this idea of type running with type one diabetes is hard. Exercise with type one diabetes is hard. Type one diabetes in general is hard. Yeah. And, if you don't have that figured out, it's easy to see all those people on Instagram and Facebook who are doing it. You know, they're running across America. They're doing, you know, 80 marathons in their life. They're climbing Mount Everest. They're on competitive bike teams. And if you're not at that level, if you're just the person who's trying to get your A1C under control, it's so unobtainable that you just tune it out. You're like, I can never do that. And I've, you know, I even saw athletes, um, you know, the big names who do all the, you know, or in the Olympics and it was, it was so far out of my grasp that it made me not even want to try because it was like, no way I could ever do that. Not that I'm at that point now. Like I'm not at a point where I'm going to compete in the Olympics and win a medal. Um, yeah. But it, it almost discouraged me from even trying because here were these people doing it so well. And here's me who's like struggling through a two mile run when I first start. Like so it's, I, it's I like distinctly remember that hard. Exactly. It's really intimidating. And 
there aren't good resources. And when I started training for the marathon, my first marathon, my endocrinologist gave me kind of this like place to start, right? Like this is where you should start with your diabetes uh, management for running. And I think I even have it here. I'm going to read not, this. I did not get that. I wish I had gotten that because I pretty much got told like, oh, good luck, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, figure so, it out. So, so I love my endocrinologist. She's the best in the whole world. But this is this is basically where I was starting from. Uh, and I guess people who are listening to this who maybe are going to get into running could use this as well. So um, if your blood sugar is below 150 before you start running – eat 15 to 30 grams of carbs. If you want it, uh, the goal was to have your blood sugar above 150 before you start running. Yeah. Uh, I wear a pump. So she told me to suspend my pump and then eat 15 to 30 grams of carbs every 30 minutes. And then within 60 minutes of running, eat at least, uh, eat a meal with 30 grams of carbs, at least 30 grams of carbs, give half the insulin I would normally give. And then, I should decrease my basal rate overnight to 75% of normal. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like my training run. It was a little different for a race only because you've got stress and whatnot and you don't want to go low before. Um, but that was kind of my starting point. It was eat before I run, turn off my pump, eat every 30 minutes. And pretty quickly like once i got out of just the initial just learning to run essentially yeah. like once i get into more than like 4 miles uh all that kind of went out the window yeah um and i kind of had to just figure out you know what worked for my body and so going back to that was a a long sort of interlude no that's on perfect this type actually run thing. Yeah. Because you, you cover all the questions I probably was already going to ask to include yes. Yeah, so how do you train now? Like, what's your training methodology now? Exactly, but that's so like scary and confusing that if you don't have that, like you didn't have that, but no. even me with that, it didn't quite work. And being able to meet up with someone else who has type one diabetes and go for a run and know that. I can ask them questions and maybe they're figuring out the same way I'm doing, or maybe it's just like a second opinion. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm 130 with a slight down arrow on my Dexcom and we've got four miles left. What would you do? This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I would eat a gel and, you know, maybe turn off the temp basil on my pump yeah. and they say, that's a pretty good idea. Or I would do this. And then also, you know, and I don't, it's not like you're going to go for a run and I'm going to pass out and like, I'm going to have someone there who can like do CPR or yeah. give me glucagon or, or call 911 and know what to tell them. It's nice knowing they'll do that. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that wasn't statistically really the point. that probably won't happen that day. Exactly. Uh, so it's more about just knowing that. If if I start going low, I need to walk or do something else that everyone else understands. Because this week it might be me going low. Next week it might be you going low. Yeah. Or the week after it might be someone else going low. So we're all kind of 
fighting this thing together. We know what it's like. And when I would run with people who didn't have type one and I started to go low, I would just throw some fruit snacks in my mouth and just kind of eat them while I ran. Mm -hmm. You know, I survived. I lived. I got through it. You know, should I have walked maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, at least to just swallow the fruit snacks? Um, or at least wait till I'm not low anymore before I start running? Probably. Yeah. But I didn't want to be the guy ruining the group run because my blood sugar went low. Yeah. Because then you're then you're that guy. You're the guy who like, oh, can't keep his blood sugar up and you know, everyone talks crap about you and then you make diabetes look bad, like all oh, these people yeah, with you're the weak diabetes can't you're like broken or you're you know less than exactly. Yeah, you're less than whole. So, so when type one run, when we started, it was really just like, we were going to run the LA marathon. We had a group of, uh, four of us with type one. And then some of our friends and, you know, significant others were, who were running war shirts as well to support us. And it was just really like a group. Like we've had one, we're running, like, let's just band together. Let's just like show people we're out here doing this. And it wasn't until a year later when we did our Ragnar run, uh, which for people who aren't familiar, it's a relay race and you take turns running. So there were 12 of us, I guess, in two groups, two, they put you in two different vans. So van one starts, person one, they hand off to person two, three, four, five, six, and then van two takes over and then they go through and then they f- swap again. So you end up running three times over the course of about a day and a half. And we ran from uh, like Huntington Beach, California, just south of Los Angeles to San Diego. And there were two of us who didn't have type one who were related. So we had a mom of a girl with type one and then we had a niece of one of the runners in the van who had type one. And it was such a cool experience. Um, just being in a van with that many people with type one who were all like doing the same thing and all kind of like figuring it out. And, you know, Dexcoms were going off. People were eating, (laughs) you know, there were bagels everywhere. There was glucose tabs. I heard you call it a magical experience. What do you, I guess it was attest to the magicalness. It's, it's like you go and and I and I think it's it's not just specific to the Ragnar. The Ragnar is a very like concentrated form of this magic. Um the magic is like you go through your whole life let's say you know not knowing anyone quite understands you. Like you this could be anything. Like it doesn't have to be diabetes. It could be um Star Wars, new Star Wars movies coming out. I know we're dating this now, but you could be the only kid in your little town in Alabama who loves Star Wars and no one else gets it. And everyone thinks you're the weirdo. And then finally you go to a comic con and you're surrounded by all these people who are speaking the same language as you. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's like your whole world opens up in a way. It's like there's other people out there who get it. And even though you know those people are out there, until you're stuck with them, um, talking about it, even if you're not really talking about diabetes, you don't have to be saying, oh, what's your blood sugar right now? Oh, how much are you bolusing for that salad? It's just the idea of they understand it. And you can talk about things like even if it's just 
in the in the back of the mind or the subtext of diabetes. Um, they get it, yeah. and no one else can get that. Not your doctor, not your nurse, not your parent, not your kid, not your wife or husband. Only people with type one really get it. Um, so when you're in a van for a day and a half, like literally just stuck in a van with people who are changing their uh, pods and Dexcoms like on the seat, um, you know, it's it's just bringing that all together where you're just like stuck together. And it does sound magical in a weird way. It, it is. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like uh, you know, just being with your kind almost. Yeah, and like, well, like you were saying. Uh, before we started recording, you know, you don't know what really other people with type one. Um, and so to you, it's, you know, what would it be like to go into a room and just, you know, pull out your glucose meter and test and no one, you know, no one's like phased. No one asks you what you're doing. They just get it. Yeah. No one Um, says, Oh, you have too much sugar at lunch. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, Oh, do you eat too much sugar as a kid? Or have you tried yeah. cinnamon pills? My aunt <laughs> cinnamon pills and that got rid of her diabetes or, yeah. you know, um, well, how do I get on the 2018 team? I think everyone right now is wanting to know how can they get on your Ragnar race 2018 um, team? <laughs> so I guess, um, yeah, I guess we're going to register a team soon and then we'll have 12 slots and going to, you know, our type one run. Yeah. Facebook page is probably the best place to do that and then find the event for for the Ragnar race and just say you're interested. And then yeah. we'll see how many people, you know, see how many vans we can fill up. If we have one team, if we have two teams. Or a hundred. Uh, or a hundred. Yeah. yeah. So you know it was it was really about... cool. It was really cool. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you, go ahead. But I just want to say is you know, we we had these big magnets that said type one run that we plastered all over our vans. And you know, you, you would drive, you would drop someone off. They would run, you drive to the next spot and you'd wait for them. And then they would sort of hand the baton off and then the next person would go. So while you're waiting there, it's all the teams who are waiting for the runner to come in. And we just had people come up to us and say, Oh, do you guys like, what's type one run? Like, do you guys have type one diabetes? And we're like, yeah, yeah. You know? And they're like, Oh, my son has type one or no, I have type one. And I think it was cool for them to know that there were people out there doing this as a group. And like you're spreading the word that yes, diabetics can do absolutely anything they want to. Exactly. And so, you know, normal people, normal people. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the goals with this type one run thing was, you know, we had this magical experience and it was like this one little event and it was, it was cool. It was fun. Uh, but we want that all the time. And we want everyone to experience that. Like you yeah. shouldn't have to wait till 2018 and be one of 12 people and you get to run with these guys and everyone else gets to kind of watch. Yeah. So we said, we love our running group. Let's find a way to help other people start their own running groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of barriers with running with diabetes right now. And I'm not talking about blood sugars and carbs and test strips and the barriers are that if you want to run you call up you know your local nonprofit you say oh i want to run for you guys in a race and they say okay here's a shirt you owe us two thousand dollars 
go raise that money um, or just, you know, write us a check for the difference. And now you're on our team and good luck. You know, there's no you're you're just kind of like running by yourself unless you convince a bunch of other people to do it, you know, with you. And I don't think, you know, type one is hard enough as it is. And it's just that much worse when you like force people to have to like do this much work just to like represent themselves and the, and this community, like we should be allowing people, you know, to just do this. Like we should say, Oh, you have type one here. We'll pay for your race entry. You go or, okay, you've got a team of four people. We're going to set up a tent halfway with bananas and glucose tabs so you guys can refill. Yeah. You know, that should be, it should be, what can we do for you guys? Because when we're out there doing this stuff, like we're making the community stronger. Um, and you know, running is, I mean, in some like cases it seems like, like you're this. building the community, not even making it stronger. You're almost building it from the ground up in certain areas. I mean, that's kind of what it, it feels like in some of these places where yeah. there, there are lots of runners we're finding, you know, who, you know, here's a guy in Colorado who's been, you know, running, you know, I don't know what he's at 200 races this year. He's trying to set the record for like most races. So here's a guy doing that. Here's a guy, uh, here's a, a woman in Chicago who's like training for the Chicago marathon. Mm-hmm. Here's someone in Boston who just did a 5k. So there's all these individual runners out there, but why don't we have them like form these little groups and now they're running with other people they know and they can have a little bit of that magic. And, you know, part of it is building that community and also like letting other people feel comfortable coming in as well. Because if you haven't run before and it's a little scary, um, wouldn't you rather train for your first 5k with, five other people with type one as opposed to just doing it yourself. Oh yeah. I think just people run faster in groups to begin with. I think that humans were like designed to run in groups. Um, yeah, there's a documentary on it. It's like, it's called what persistence hunting. Um, and if you've never seen it, it's kind of interesting and I think it's on Amazon or something, but you can, it's a documentary essentially that talks a lot about, you know, how humans are designed to essentially run gazelle into the ground in large groups of, you know, and we're social creatures. So yeah. it's not just like, it's not like you come to a run, uh, you know, you put on your shoes and you just like run until someone's low. It's like you talk, it's social, it's fun. You become friends with these people. You go to brunch afterwards and then, you know, you're all sitting there in your sweaty clothes. You're all <laughs> testing each other, yeah. right? As you're ordering coffee or juice, if you're low, you know, you're getting these burritos and eggs Benedict and omelets and everyone's testing and bolusing and asking how many carbs are in that, how many carbs are in this. Uh, it's, I need that. it's just, it comes as fun world. Yeah. I yeah. wish, I wish I could give that to you right now. How many chapters are, um, there right now type one run? I think we're at 11 or 12. So oh. I'm going to, so we've got Los Angeles, our OG, mm-hmm. uh, we have our Bay Area, which is actually kind of like two chapters squished together. It's like a San Jose and a San Francisco. So they alternate locations every week. Yeah. Uh, one in San Jose, one in San Francisco to sort of 
So they're not pulling the community apart, but they're finding ways to include more people, which I think is really, really cool. Um, yeah. And I know you have one in London because I interviewed uh, Emma Collins, I think it was okay. two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so we've and got. And Emma's incredible. One. Yeah. She, no, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, London, we've got a guy in Hamburg, Germany, Sven, uh, who contacted us a long time ago. And, you know, typically what we do is, you know, we're just starting off. So if people can't afford a shirt, we just give them a shirt. We say, you know, we, what's your mailing address? Here's a shirt. Send us a picture. And he was like, you know, I know I'm all the way here in Germany. Could you just send me the logo? And so we sent them the logo and he took like a half dozen shirts to a local print shop and he, they just printed our logo on his clothes. Yeah. And we think it's the coolest thing ever. And so he's doing all these races with this, you know, little logo on his shirt. Um, we've got Denmark. Uh, we're starting up, uh, Australia chapter in Brisbane. Um, that's being run by Mel Rogers, who was on the beyond type one bike beyond team. Um, back in the U S we've got Colorado, um, Chicago, Boston, New York, uh, like a, like a Missouri St. Louis Mm -hmm. group. Um, future Alabama running group, even if it's just you. Mm -hmm. And then we're working with this other group in Texas. They already have their, their own sort of, organization already um and they've got chapters in where is it it's dallas houston austin it's the diabetes and exercise alliance and we're basically partnering with them where they're going to be type one run chapters using their already group um so I think that's really cool, and that's a, a really awesome model moving forward. Yeah, finding groups that are already there who just want to be connected to this larger group, because, you know, the bigger we are, the stronger we are. You know, if you can go online and see, oh, there's ten thousand people with diabetes out running on a Sunday morning, and I'm one of them. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like and how then does that, that not motivates up- you to get out there and get exactly. Out there? And then, and then the possibilities are endless. You know, once you've got all these people, then we can go to a race and we can have a team of, you know, 50 people with type one, or maybe we start our own race. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I had a call this morning, James and I had a call this morning with beyond type one, their CEO, Sarah Lucas and their COO. And this is probably already going to be done before this airs, uh, right. this is airing in January, yeah. but we're going to become a official core program of beyond type one. Wow. So we're going to still be type one run, but kind of dissolve ourselves into beyond type one and utilize all the resources that they have to get more people to see us yeah. join our groups. And, it's 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 really cool. Um, you know, Beyond Type One is an amazing organization. Yeah, uh, I stalked them on Instagram. Yeah, they've got like nine people. Um, they do all this great stuff. But what they love, and they're really the ones who approached us and asked if we would be a part, uh, a part of them, because 
I guess our mission just resonates so much with their mission. And it's that you should let people get involved in person, you know, in groups without forcing them to raise money or to pay for something. It's if you want to, you can do it. If I want to run LA marathon this year and I want to ask my friends and family to donate money to type one run or beyond type one or JDRF or the ADA, I can, but that, that shouldn't be the barrier to entry. Like, yeah, it should be an opt in for fundraising, not an opt out. Right. So we're really excited. We're, you know, as I said, we just had this count call this morning. So there's still a lot of stuff to figure out, but we're super excited to be able to bring type one run to more eyes and, and really just supercharge our growth. Um, that's incredible. It's almost everything that I, I, you know, hope to do the diabetic running podcast is to inspire and to get people together and to kind of centralize, you know, the athletic community within, you know, type one and all diabetics really, I mean, to encourage them to get out there and to train for their, their health and for, you know, just the social aspect of being out there and running. And I think that's great because, you know, once you're hearing that other people are doing it, it doesn't seem so scary. It's not as intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I'd love to dive into some very Craig specific things. And if I okay. ask any too intimate questions, you don't have to answer, nothing, but nothing too intimate. <laughs> that's actually good to know. Um, mm-hmm. so your training, you had kind of talked a little bit about like some training that you did leading into your half marathons and marathons. How do you see training for a marathon and how does, you know, Craig get prepared, you know, not only, you know, nutritionally, but, you know, insulin regiments and, you know, actual running training, you know, to get ready to toe the starting line. So this is really interesting because this is something I didn't do well for the LA marathon. Yeah. And I learned a lot after. So the mind of someone with type one diabetes is my blood sugar is high. I take insulin. My blood sugar is low. I eat. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you're kind of in that sweet spot in the middle, you you don't really want to rock the boat too much, right? You don't want to like have one too many running gels and then you're 300 or you don't want to be dropping. So when I was running the LA marathon, my training plan was, and this was still kind of based on what my doctor had started me off with. It was eat something before I run, which I think is pretty good. I would have, um, Half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, whole wheat, whole wheat bread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of jelly, a lot of peanut butter, like 30 grams of carbs, you know, bolus, depending on what my blood sugar was, you know, like half. Um, and I would always, you know, I, I stopped suspending my pump because once you get into longer runs, if you're running two hours and your pumps off, you're going to go into DKA. Yeah. And I think that's weird for a lot of people. They don't realize you can go in the DKA if your blood sugar's not high. Yeah, I think um, I, I was just like, and I've been a diabetic for a while now, and it's crazy that I'm just learning. And I learned, I think, earlier this week that blood, sh- you know, DKA isn't necessarily from high blood sugar, but from the lack of insulin. Exactly. So, so when you're I, running, I think for months when I first got diagnosed, I was running with next to no insulin in me, and I probably always hit that wall at about you know twenty or thirty minutes, and kind of realized like, you know, I'm noticeably slowing down. <laughs> and you're wondering what that wall is, yeah. right? You're like your your muscles start burning, and you just feel you know 
and and this happened on a run that I did with James actually, where he had put in a new infusion site that morning. You know, he had to change it and, you know, plugged it in, whatever showed up and we ran and it was like a two hour run, something like that. You were running up the beach and back and the way back, he just started hurting so much and, you know, looked down at his pump and he's on a Medtronic and he realized he forgot to like prime it and start it in sort of the chaos of the morning of coming to meet me. So, you know, he had not, he had no insulin in him. Yeah, he didn't even him for two hours. Yeah, he didn't even have like leftover basil from you know earlier that morning. Exactly. Probably. So, you know, he gave himself some insulin, and you know, we ended up finishing, and you know, we went to a, a Starbucks so that you know he could get something to like eat, so he could just take a big bolus because he was he just he, he described it as like his muscles were just on fire. Yeah, like his like his. Like his blood was like molten lead. And so you always run with your pump on now. So I always run with it on. Um, I I typically do a temp basal about 30 minutes before I start running. And I start with decreasing that by 80%. And so so minus 80%. And you're on the Omnipod, right? I think I I always see you on Instagram kind of, you know, toting that. How do you feel like that's better than, you know, something with a tube? Cause I'll be, I have to admit, I take mine off when I run and I try to, if I, if I run more than an hour, I'm going to have to figure that out, but I haven't done that yet. Um, what are you, what are you on right now? Like the mini med 670G. And I just, you know, I'll have, I usually run first thing in the morning and so I'll just take it off. I'll have no active insulin in me and I'll just, you know, do a 30, 45 hour run and come back, clip it on and 30, and 45 minute minute. You mean not hour. I hope. What did I say? You said hour. That seems like a very long run. 30, 45 minute to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> 30, 45 hour. Yeah. That's my yeah. goal. My goal is to yeah. get it there. Yeah. You want to start doing ultras? Uh, so I've done one. I did one in February um, and I did a 50K. Um, and that was okay. months before I got diagnosed. And so Lord knows what my blood sugars are doing then. But uh, we've got some ultra runners here in Type 1 Run. So yeah. my you know, they're always 100. pitching. Yeah, my yeah. goal is to do a hundred miler. So if you if 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 we get a team of type ones to do a hundred miler, I will go out there and you know with a sign and a you know backpack full of glucose tabs yes. and refill you guys halfway. Make it if that's you make my, it. That's my jealous, promise. Then that's oh then I can do that. Deal. I'll do yeah, that. Uh, those hey. are expensive though, so you're gonna have to supply those. If you buy them on Amazon, I think it's cheaper. I buy them in bulk. Okay. <laughs> I hate glucose tabs. Oh, they're disgusting. <laughs> yeah. They like a, they are the worst thing. Yeah. Um, you know it's bad when it, you're low in the middle of the night and you you don't want to correct the low because you have to eat a glucose tab. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, I need to start eating something else. See, I just keep a Gatorade next to my bed and I kind of like roll over and do like one of these. Oh, that's you know, smart. Half drunken chugs of Gatorade. Yeah, um, that's actually a pretty good idea. I've done juice juice boxes. Yeah. Um, but I like them cold, so I always want them in the fridge. But I think I just have to start being less picky. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> so, so you run with your Omnipod on, and you have so, a CGM. Yeah. So why do you take yours off? Just because it's a thirty-minute run, and you know it doesn't really make a difference. I think that's normally my logic, and I also, you know, normally I'm running in the morning, and I'm running, you know, in kind of a military setting, and so. 
I don't really have a great way. I just recently bought like one of those flip belts that you can kind of wear under your shirt. Mm -hmm. and It's more discreet, but I've always thought it would be weird to like run with this kind of heavy pager looking thing on my hip. You know, I haven't figured out how to run fast while also, you know, trying to balance that, that insulin. And I think a part of me is also like phobic. I'm going to go like low cause insulin's pumping into me, you know, I, I haven't. Found yeah. Well, that that's, balance yet. that's the hard part with diabetes is that you have to carry so much crap with you. Yeah. Right. You've got your meter, you know, if you're smart, if you're responsible and you're doing like a marathon, you have a lancing device and test strips in case you need to test. Yeah. Um, you've got your Dexcom either going to your phone or your receiver, which means you got to have one of those check. Um, you've got enough gels, you know, goose for your run. And then you double it in case you go low. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff to carry. Yeah. I use a, um, I use a camelback and I'll fill that with a water depending on how long I'm going to be running. Um, but it has little pockets in the front for water bottles that just fit my diabetes stuff in there, like yeah. my phone and whatnot. And so yeah. that seems to work. James is a similar thing where he'll just put his pump. He sort of puts it in the pocket of his camelback. Yeah. So it's kind of right up there instead of bouncing around. Um, the flip belts are great too. Yeah. Uh, so I've got both. I've got the camelback, a flip belt, and then I've also got like an ultimate direction running fanny pack, which I use sometimes, which is kind of nice. But I've only it's recently nice. started gotta, like, running. It's nice to stop that stuff from bouncing around though because yeah. that's when it's like frustrating. Oh, yeah. I keep it tight. But I, so I've been on the CGM for a while and I, only recently have I even started running with my phone. I used to just completely disconnect from everything, leave everything behind. And sometimes I wouldn't even have sugar on me. I just go out for an hour run. I, I think maybe that's probably not good advice for anybody, but, um, but that's kind of like the reality of it, right? Like, yeah. well, the benefit too is that, you know, first thing in the morning, I've got no insulin in me. And so yeah. I know I'm not going to go low. If anything, I might go a little high, but I'm running. So it's probably going to not going to be that bad. Um, well, the other thing to remember is that insulin takes 30 minutes to like get working. Your humologs, your novologs take 30 yeah. minutes. So if you show up for a run and you've done nothing beforehand and then you turn your pump off like right then, right? Mm-hmm. Right when you right when you're at the start line. Yeah. And then you do a 30 minute run and then you turn it back on. You've done nothing to affect your insulin during that run. All yeah. that insulin that basil is already in you from that half hour before oh, or see, two hours yeah. before. You're just supporting then, my argument. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And then what yeah. you're doing, but then what you're doing afterwards is if you've had that pump suspended mm-hmm. and you don't have that basal insulin for that half hour or hour, afterwards you're going to go high. Yeah. Especially unless, if you eat something. Yeah. Especially if you eat something. So typically what I do is I do my temp basal beforehand so that I, I'm going into my run with less insulin in me. Mm-hmm. And then before I finish, about a half hour or so before I finish, I will turn my basal all the way back up to 100%. Yeah. And then when I finish, I tend to be pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll just sort of like watch my blood sugar just sort of start to skyrocket um, once I finish running. Yeah. You can also just, when you're done, give yourself a little bolus. Some so people that's do that. What yeah, that's what I've been doing. If it, if I'm off it for an hour, I'll normally give myself, you know, that hour that I would have gotten if it was a basil. And I just know like, hey, I kind of need to be careful in this moment just in case 
for some reason I went low because of that, but um, that's what I've been doing. And I exactly. think it seems to have been working for me, but you know, I'm signed up for the Nashville marathon in April. And so now I'm going to have to start, you know, really for the first time since I got diagnosed, kind of tapping into longer runs again, you know, hour and a half, two hour long runs. And so I'm starting to think like, uh, I'm going to have to change how I'm training. Um, and so this is awesome here and kind of how you do it. And I think that's well, one of the great for things anyone to, who's trying to get into that, you know, that hour plus time frame. Exactly. And one of the nice things about a pump is that rather than giving yourself a bolus, you can just, if you're monitoring your blood sugar, you have a Dexcom. As your blood sugar is going up and down, you can tweak your basal rates up and down. So when I ran the St. George Marathon in October, um, I, I actually it was, it was kind of stupid, but I was trying some <laughs> new liquid. It's this stuff called Tailwind. It's basically just like dextrose oh, yeah. powder with some extra stuff in it. Yeah, it's like Gatorade, um, but it's not nearly as sweet. It's like, yeah. It's almost like salt water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was drinking that, but it, it does have a lot of carbs and a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, before the race, you've got adrenaline. That's pushing your blood sugar up. Um, drinking this stuff, and I want to make sure I have enough in me before I start running. So by the time I start going, you know, half hour in, I'm like 160 with like an up arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not really where I want to be, you right. know, I kind of want to be in the, like the 120, 160, you know, yeah. another, another fun, you know, tip is that if you're on a Dexcom and you're doing a race or even just a normal run, change your, your low alert from whatever you have it now, 70 or 80 to a hundred. That way, if you start to go low You've got and time. you're just not paying attention. It's warning you, like, "Hey, you're going to be low soon," and you can have that gel. And before you're 60, if yeah. you get that Dexcom alert when you're at 70, you're already low. Yeah, you know, and you're the not Dexcom gonna, is 15 minutes behind stop it until you're at 40. Exactly, and you're screwed. You basically just have to stop. Yeah, now you're eat, walking. Wait for yourself to come back up. But if you get that ahead of time, that sort of helps you. Yeah. So back to St. George Marathon, I. I'm going straight up. I'm like, oh man, like this is this is going to be a huge disaster. So I I give myself like a unit of insulin. Yeah. Which is like, I don't I don't know if it was a unit. It was, it was a bit of insulin. Um, and I'm pretty sensitive. So like a unit of insulin when I'm running will typically kill me. But I was going straight up, and then right after that, you know, I don't know if it's because I had just started running. Um, or that adrenaline was wearing off or the tailwind was wearing off, but I kind of like leveled off and I was like, Oh crap, I just gave myself all this insulin Uh-oh. <laughs> and then I just started coming down. And then as I was coming down, I saw myself coming, I could have a gel, but it was so cold. Um, people don't realize how cold Utah gets in early October yeah, when it seems so brown, like 26 like miles outside of the city. Yeah, it's cold. Uh, at the start line, uh, when, when the buses show up and drop you off, they give you those mylar blankets and they have campfires, bonfires all around for people to huddle around because it's so cold. Uh, so in the cold, batteries tend to die quicker. Mm-hmm. Just the chemistry of how batteries work. Yeah. So my blood sugar is dropping. I'm like checking my Dexcom. My phone just dies. I'm like – Crap. I don't even know. I'm I'm at maybe halfway, maybe not even like halfway yet. And I'm like, this is going to be a very long, very hard race. If I have no Dexcom, I didn't bring test strips 
or a Landsat device because mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I have a Dexcom. I'm fine. And am I really going to stop and with fingers covered in sweat and gels, like actually be able to get an accurate measurement? Yeah. I thought there's no way. There's no way it's going to happen. So you mentioned fingers. Where are you on the alternate test site arm check? Um, I think it's I used to do it. Um, I've done uh, like palm as well. Yeah. But fingers are just accurate. And if you're, if you're running and you're like, I need to know what my blood sugar is to make a decision. Yeah. Like this moment. You want to have the sugar. most accurate. Yeah. yeah if you're, sure. if you're doing your palm or your forearm and that's 15 minutes behind, like that doesn't help you. That's yeah. all old information. Yeah. So, you know, maybe. I could do a run and I carry like those like wet wipe things and like, or an alcohol swab and like cleaning my fingers, but then I'm stopping and I'm testing, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I wasn't going to set a world record. So if I had stopped and for 30 seconds tested, like that wouldn't be so bad. I think it was just the idea of carrying all this extra stuff with me while I already had all this stuff. And you're a runner, um, you know, you're competitive with yourself, you know, you want to go. Yeah, I want to do well, great. and I don't want to be like, oh, I could have broke this if I didn't have to stop that one time yeah. to test. Oh, I've been there for that, for sure. But but on the other hand, if I go low and I don't know it, and now I'm walking for 10 minutes, like that's going to hurt me more than a 30-second stop at an aid station is going to be. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, my, my phone ended up dying and you know i sort of tried to warm it up and after a little while i could turn it back on and it it came back on and i turned off like cellular wi-fi basically everything except the bluetooth so i could send it to my watch my dexcom to my watch yeah and it lasted the rest of the race but that was a scary little moment (laughs) and then the rest of that race you know as i was like coming down i had i had turned my temp basal to you know zero Minus 100%. Turned it off. And then as I started coming back up, I'm like, okay, I'll go back to minus 80%. And I was going up a little more. I'll go, oh, minus 50%. Knowing still that that insulin was like a half hour away, Mm -hmm. but knowing I'm making these small changes now that kind of get exacerbated when you're running, right? Like I take a unit of insulin now, you know, I can eat something in a half hour. I'm going to be fine. If I'm in the middle of a run, I take a unit of insulin. In a half hour, I'm gone. So those tiny little changes, even though it's, you know, tenths of a unit of insulin we're talking about, I don't know how much of a difference it's making, but at least psychologically it's making a difference. Then I'd be like, my blood sugar is going a little up. I'm going to increase my basal rate a little bit. And so you're always kind of catching it, but you're kind of always catching it anyways. Yeah. You're never really ahead because you really never know what your blood sugar is going to do. It's the great guessing game. But that's the great thing about um, pumps. You know, if you're on shots and you're on a long-acting insulin, I think a lot of this is knowing, okay, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow and I'm going to give myself a little less long-acting insulin tonight. Um, and there's also, and I don't, I don't know the exact science of this, but your body metabolizes short-acting insulin different than long-acting insulin. Mm -hmm. And so when you're on a pump, you know, your basal rate is still short-acting insulin. So if I don't change my basal rate and go for a run, even though it 
my Omnipod says zero units on board, I still have, you know, 0.8 units per hour. Mm-hmm. So I still might have, you know, one and a half units in me. That's kind of invisible insulin. That's what I call it. My, yeah. It's just my own term. It's like hidden. It's there. It's in you, but you don't really know how much is in there. And because it's short acting insulin, that's going to make you drop. Now, a long acting insulin, I think you can go low. It kind of gets used up a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I think you might end up going like you, you like use that insulin in your body quicker, but you're not going to have that same drop as you will on with a short acting insulin as your basal. Yeah. I've almost been tempted to like, you know, talk to my endo and be like, Hey, can I do like some weird mishmash of both? And I'm training for a marathon. Should I go back on, you know, Lantis? And I'm tempted to ask them some of those questions to see kind of how they respond and, you know, see if they have any recommendations. Definitely worth an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um, you know, I've thought about it even just, you know, before a race, you know, assuming I've trained and I know all this stuff, you know, I wouldn't do this the night before a big yeah, race. Like you've tested it and you know that it'll work. Exactly. But, you know, turn off, you know, make a basal program on my pump that's just zero. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting no basal insulin. And then I just give myself a shot. And then if I need to give myself insulin while I'm running, I don't have to stop and yeah, boom, it's already right there. Pull out a pen and whatnot. I can just do it on my pump. Mm-hmm. So the, I think that's that'd the be a benefit really cool of the Omnipod is always just right there. Whereas, you know, if you I disconnect from your, you know, mini med, you got to like find your tube and, you know, ravel it on, you know, from yeah. around whatever it got tangled on and then try. Yeah. So, I mean, the way the, the pod works is there's the, the pod you wear that sort of holds your insulin and, then there's a little thing that looks kind of like a cell phone. They call it your PDM, your personal diabetes manager. And that's what you kind of use to control it wirelessly. Mm-hmm. And what's nice, so, so the amount of equipment that you're carrying is probably the same as a tubed pump. But I can throw this in a pocket and not worry about it getting caught on something. Yeah. Um, and I can just like pull yeah. it out of my hand and do it. And that makes that a little easier. And for you, you just um, tuck it in your camelback. Exactly. The other nice thing about it is that I can leave my PDM at home if I'm going for a short run and the pod that's on my body will continue to give the basal rate that I've told it to, whether that's a temp basal, whether that's my normal basal. And it's because the pod itself has its own little computer and memory. So I can, let's say I go for a run at 8 a.m., And I've told my pump to, through the PDM, I've said, turn off my basal rate for, turn it down 80% for a half hour. And I go for an hour long run. So I leave my house, my pods at minus 80%. And then after that half hour, it switches back to my normal basal rate without me having to do anything. So it's kind of that nice thing of, you can still have that temp basal, you can still get that basal insulin but I don't have to carry this thing with me. Yeah. Now I always carry it with me because, you know, I think, oh, if I start going low, maybe I want to turn it off. Or maybe I eat something and I start going a little high, so I'll turn it back on. Um, and, you know, every the thing is that every run is different. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. Every minute is different. So every run is going to be different as well. Yeah. So and We all kind of have to be like our own diabetic exercise experts, you know. 
Yeah. And so, so I always carry this stuff with me because I know like anything could happen. Like I could start running and my blood sugar for some reason just shoot straight up and I want to be able to, you know, stop that. So yeah. I don't finish my run at three fifty, yeah. and then I'm just kind of the day is just ruined. So yeah. What other running gear do you use? So uh, you kind of had talked about your camelback and, you know, we talked about the Omnipod and this gym, but you know, what kind of shoes do you rock and do you use a watch and, I've been wearing some Brooks Ghost. I yeah. think they're the nines. Uh-huh. Um, love them. Great, super comfy. Um, I I have a pair of Solomons for trail running. Yes. Kind of has like cleats on the bottom. Love them. Yeah. I've doing these dirt runs that I've been doing. Um, we run at Griffith Park in L.A. For people who don't know, it's this huge park, like right in the middle of the city. It's got, you know, tons of hiking paths. It's hilly, but a lot of the dirt on the trails, it's kind of like loose dirt. Mm -hmm. No, it's not gravel. It's just, yeah, it's not not West Coast dirt. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like a little, like, it's not quite sand, but it's like kind of close to it. And first time I ran up a hill in those, I, it felt great. Like I, I didn't slide at all. I wasn't worried. And it also makes coming downhills better because I'm not worried. I'm just going to, my feet are going to slide out from Mm -hmm. under me. The, so uh, I alternate between those two. The Ginger Runner, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, I think it's like thegingerrunner.com, and he has like a vlog, and he does a podcast as well, a running podcast. And he always has tons of videos of him running in Griffith Park. Um, okay. And it's, uh, it's it's really cool. It's beautiful. It's yeah. such a, it's such an incredible place to run. Yeah. Um, last week, we we did our weekly Type 1 run, Group 1, and we live-streamed onto Instagram like the first 40 minutes through our phone. Yeah. And we just kind of like talked and chatted during our run. And, you know, we're talking about diabetes. We're talking about type one run. And you just see these epic sunrise vistas over Los Angeles as we come up over hills. And it's really, it's really crazy. You know, we're, we're so lucky to be in LA to have that so close to us. Yeah. Where a lot of people in other cities would have to, you know, take a train or a car or a bus way yeah. out of town to get well, that. It's funny. You don't really think of LA as being, you know, so accessible to parks like that either. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've gone on runs all around LA and, you know, you get out of the sort of the city part of LA yeah. and there's hiking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, California is a very, very green state yeah. and I mean green in the fact that there's just a <laughs> lot of trails in nature. Yeah. So we've, James and I have run up Mount Wilson. Um, people want to look that up. It was a super fun run. Uh, it was way too much of an incline to really run. So we ended up hiking most of it up yeah. and running down. And then we got lost and we ended up on the wrong side of the mountain. And oh, no. I was in like heat stroke because it was like the middle of summer. And our run was like four miles longer than we had planned it to be because we got lost. Really fun stuff. Uh, so there's all these like cool places to run. Yeah. Do you sport a watch? Or, but, a I watch? mean, I, we've talked about the Apple Watch. Do you use like a Garmin or a Sunto to like track so, pace and all that? I used to use a Garmin before I got the Apple Watch. Yeah. And then I sort of wore both for a while. Yeah. And now I just wear the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I figure I just don't need more things to make sure are charged and yeah. working. Um, I know that the new Garmin's you can get your your blood sugar on it, your Dexcom on it. 
they've they've like opened up. Mind so you, blown. People, I had no idea. I, yeah, I'm not sure which one it is, but I can um I can look it up. It yeah, they they Garmin like created this like almost like an app store kind of thing where people could write programs, you know, yeah. uh, for the watch and they use the Dexcom sort of API. And I think it goes through your phone to yeah, it. Yeah, My wife's going to have to guard my credit card tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some limitations to it. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it works. So James, for instance, he doesn't use his Apple watch anymore. He just wears his Garmin all the time. That's great. I know a lot of people who will run with they'll still use their Dexcom receiver, whether that's in a pocket or in like a armband, like those old armbands we used to all run with yeah. for our phone. Yeah, circa '07. Um, yeah, so people will like throw that in there. Um, you know, that's great because then your phone you don't worry about your phone dying. Um, you don't have to like go through menus. You literally just tap a button and then you see your blood sugar. So yeah. that's if you're if you're paranoid, like that's the way to go. That's easy. Um, yeah. So I use the Apple Watch. I like having one thing. You know, there's things I wish made it easier. You know, if you're doing a workout and you you know you go to look at your watch it defaults to your workout view mm-hmm. so showing you your pace and how far you've gone and sometimes i kind of wish that it would just go back to my dexcom yeah or sometimes you, you know? raise it and the screen doesn't come up and you're like trying to yeah, tap it and it doesn't you're work sweaty, and you're like it doesn't feel it, yeah. it exactly that's that's kind of annoying um but you know it it happens it's one less thing to wear it's one less weird tan line yeah, um, for sure. You know, so everyone's got their own thing, but definitely check out the the new garments. Awesome. Cause it's cool. cool. So I don't want to keep too much more of your time and we'll go to kind of the last section. I kind of call it like a tempo talk oh, okay. questions. It'll be a bunch of like fast, rapid questions. You could say the first thing that comes off your mind and we'll move. Well, I'm ready. Uh, okay. We'll move on to the next one. So, um, go to pre race and after race meal. I usually don't like morning of race. I'm I usually go, don't eat before. I'm say the night before. So the night, night before, before and then immediately after. Um, like indulgence. Pasta's good before, like night before, usually two nights before. Usually okay. night before I'm actually not eating that heavy. Yeah. Because I know that's going to be in me. So, yeah. you know, uh, sweet potatoes, chicken, but that's kind of my go-to for everything. Just something like simple. So stable. Um, yeah. Uh, after race, like a, ba- like a, like a race race. Mm-hmm. Um, eggs. Coffee, bacon, pancakes. Ooh. I just there's nothing like it's like, like indulging in pancakes because I I never eat pancakes. I don't know anyone with type one who eats pancakes. No, everyone avoids pancakes. But My wife bought you some run a sugarless uh, sugarless syrup, and I think we're gonna try that out sometime. Oh, okay, it's okay. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't like. Maybe it's better. But when yeah. I was diagnosed, that stuff was like yeah. You ate you you had it because you didn't want to take like ten units to have <laughs> just syrup. Yeah. But in retrospect, it was just I'd rather just have like a little bit of maple syrup. But so, after our St. George Marathon, huge pancakes. Yes. So that's perfect for my next question. So real sugar or artificial sweetener on a daily basis? Real. Ooh. I mean, that's I the don't consensus. Eat, Everyone says that. I don't eat a lot of sugar is the thing. But well, yeah, who none of us do. You know, I think. <laughs> you, you shouldn't. I, I I kind of look at this as just because we're type one doesn't mean we're not people. Yeah. 
And so what sh- what would a normal person eat? Like what's healthy for a normal person? Yeah, it's the same thing that's is, healthy, yeah. For and this is kind of how I feel about keto, how I feel about all these crazy diets. It's like what would a normal nutritionist say to a normal person? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, even if you're an athlete, it's like you need this amount of carbs, you need this amount of protein, this amount of fat. Avoid the stuff you can't pronounce. Eat in moderation, you know, your sweets. And so I just do the same thing. I'm just – I just have to give a shot when I do it. Yeah. I'm 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 trying to fuel my body the right way. Yeah. This our, is kind of our I know we're in this brain. like I know. I know we're kind of in this like super fast question thing. But I'm realizing <laughs> I didn't I realized I didn't really answer one of your questions from earlier that I'm now remembering, where you had asked about training for my first marathon and like fueling myself in diabetes. And I kind of got sidetracked on the diabetes part, but to finish that thought, you know, 30 minutes later, I would only eat, you know, I would eat before I ran and then I would only eat if my blood sugar started going low. Mm-hmm. And if my blood sugar was high, I wouldn't eat at all because if my blood sugar is high, I'm 200. Why would I eat? And that was wrong. <laughs> I should have been eating when my body needed food to perform at its best. Yeah, and that's, a, that's 30 grams of carbs. That's a, you know, that's a 25, 30 gram gel running gel every 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and making the in using the insulin you know not being scared of giving myself a bolus while i'm running and using the insulin to fuel my body because just because i have type one doesn't mean i don't need the same nutrition anyone else does i still need that nutrition so how do i how do i get that nutrition and then sort of making the diabetes fit into that if that yeah. makes sense. So oh, yeah, since then, no, I'm glad my training is so much better. My training is so much better, and I'm I'm running better, and I'm healthier, uh, and I have more energy because I'm fueling my body, yeah. not not like tiptoeing around the blood sugars. Yeah. Um, no, I'm don't feel bad. I'm super glad you added that because I, I think earlier I was asking, but you know I didn't want to you know, harp on it too much. Um, yeah. So well, favorite should, running time, motivation platform for your other interviews. You should just harp. <laughs> You're the boss. Yeah. yeah. Favorite renovating or running motivation platform or inspiration, you know, books, podcasts, videos, iTunes, or um, I should say Instagram. And I say type one run Instagram. Yes. And I'm like, like in all seriousness, like, you know, you can read books and and it's like, okay, like that's really cool. You can watch a video. Oh, that was really epic. Um, but when you're there like running with people, it's that energy of yeah. like, I can do anything, you know, like I'm here with like four other people with type one, you know, let's do a marathon. Let's do a ultra marathon. Let's do a triathlon. Like nothing can hold us back. Like we're, we've got each other as a community. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure we get to that finish line. Okay. And seeing those other people on, on, on Instagram or people who are sending us messages like, Hey, I'm in Boston. I want to start a chapter. And like, that's the energy. That's like, there's people out there who are doing this stuff. Yeah. That's like, the motivation. That's what I want to do too. Like yeah. they're, if they're going out doing that, like, why aren't I going out for a run? Like, you know, just cause I'm a little tired. Like, no, no, that's a dumb excuse. No, You got to get it. You got to get after it. Yeah, and when everyone's doing it, everyone you know is doing it, or when your friends are waiting for you, you know, to go for that run, like you can't let them down. So the next question, favorite food you'd eat a huge serving of if you were not a diabetic? 
Um, Dang, it's probably pancakes. I mean, I, pancakes. Even, even, though, yes. even though because they're just such – there's just something so incredible about pancakes yeah. just covered in, in syrup and butter. And I, and I know I eat them after a big race, mm. but man, like when I'm – when there's that cure, I'm I'm getting that huge stack of pancakes, it's you know, coming. like the yeah, eight high coming. and just, just no guilt. <laughs> Something you wish everyone knew about diabetes. Um, I think I wish everyone knew about diabetes. Yeah. It is, it is the hardest thing we'll ever do. And I mean that in, in, you know, obviously training for an ultra marathon, super hard. Yeah. But if, if you can get through a day with type one diabetes, if you can literally can take, take over basically for an organ in your body. And um, if you think about how often you're thinking about your diabetes and it's, I just had lunch uh, my wife wants to go for a walk around the neighborhood. Okay. What do I have to do? Do I have to have another snack? Do I have to turn off my pump? Um, all these little things that seem so insignificant because yeah. they're tiny little decisions, but we're making so many of them yeah, that they, they, they weigh it, on you. They're a huge weight. If we can do that, um, and we can succeed with that, then like what's running, like what's running, you know, a hundred K like that's, nothing or a hundred miles. Yeah. Like not, none of this matters, no. right? Like, like we can do that. We can put one foot in front of the other. Like we've been doing that since we were kids. Yeah. And so that's a primal instinct taking yeah. over for an organ. Like you said, it's probably not so instinctual. Yeah. Um, favorite running music slash podcast. You can, you can pick. Um, I, I don't really listen to music anymore when I run. Really? I used to, but yeah. I felt like, uh, you know, I had made a playlist that was like my running playlist and it was all sorts of, it was pretty much anything that was about running or had run in the title. Ooh, I'm um, visualizing like a scene from Forrest Gump, you know? Yeah. It was, it was stuff like, um, uh, baby, we were born to run uh -huh. to, you know, there were some Beatles in there. Yeah. There was some other stuff. Um, I think there's some Tom Petty oh, kind of all over. Um, cause I just like got me excited about like, we were there, it was about running. But I felt like, at least with podcasts, I used to listen to podcasts on a long run. I would just sort of zone out, and yeah. I wasn't focusing on my running so much. I just, I was just listening to the podcast, and I'm yeah. like, on a, like while I'm escape. sort of moving. Yeah. But I wasn't, I wasn't pushing myself hard enough mm -hmm. because I was, I was focused. And if I was focusing on the running, I wasn't listening to the podcast. So I just took the headphones off, mm -hmm. and I haven't run with headphones in months. And I just. I just like listening to the world. And I mean, it's safer too. you know, you're, you're aware of your surroundings. If someone's yeah. coming up behind you, if there's a car, um, there's something super yeah. primal about running with no music, like just you and your pace and your cadence and your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I never run like, with music outside. If I'm on the treadmill, I'm like gun ho. I have to have music cause it's so, oh, repetitive. Yeah. but yeah. if I'm outside. Yeah. I'm, I'm disconnected from, you know, my headphones. Well, the nice thing about a treadmill is that you set your pace and you kind of have to keep running that. Yeah. If you if you are just outside 
it's really easy to just slow down because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's nothing holding you accountable if you're just kind of like listening to music and it's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of like run with the beat of this song as opposed to running at the beat you should be running on. Yeah. No, 100%. If you could run with anyone, uh, past, present, or future, who would it be? Hmm. I would love to... Man. That's really hard. These are supposed to be quick questions. <laughs> um, you know, I would, I would actually love to go on a run with you. Yes. Because I don't think you've gone on a run with someone with type 1. I've never I, run with another diabetic before, no. I, w- I would love to know what that experience is like for you. I probably would just be like awkwardly staring at you the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, well. Hey, look at you. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I think that'd be fun. I think we have to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, so kind of like you've already made fun of me for this last question is not so quick, but what would your advice be for someone who's a runner and just got diagnosed with type one diabetes or a long time diabetic who wants to start running? You got to find your community. Um, you know, the only people who understand this are people who have it and you can learn so much more from other people living with type one diabetes than you can from a book, from a doctor, um, from anyone really uh, just find other people who are doing it and they'll support you because you know, as awful as it is that we have to have this community, you know, that we have type one, yeah. there's no more supportive community in the whole world. Any, you run into anyone with type one diabetes and on the street and you're immediately just talking about how long you've had it. What devices are you wearing? You know, what do you do? Where do you live? Um, It's like an instant connection. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like what I was talking about before, like finding those people, you know, like your community, those people that you belong to. And, you know, if you've never run with type one diabetes, like, doesn't it make sense to find other people with type one diabetes to run with? Mm -hmm. Because they know, they know what it's like. They've, they've gone through the literal and figurative steps that you're about to go through. They've, and even though their management might be completely different than your run management, like yeah. you guys might do totally different things to keep your blood sugars stable. You're still making, doing those same motions. You're still changing basal rates and, uh, bolusing and eating. And we all kind of get that. And that's how you're going to learn. It's not going to be through an Instagram post. It's not going to be listening to my advice it's going to be doing it um, doing it with people in person. Yeah. Um, so, Craig, before I let you go, uh, where can people follow you online and where, where's the best place to keep up with Craig Steubing and everything that he's doing with his training, with his photography, filmmaking, and, of course, with Betasel? So, first, if you haven't already, which we already told you to, but follow Type 1 Run on instagram and facebook see all the cool running stuff we're doing there um following me uh instagram beta at beta cell podcast that's sort of my like diabetes persona all my diabetes stuff is there and if you want to just sort of see random pictures of me uh that's at craig stubing on instagram instagram is really the way to go i guess if you follow beta cell on facebook as well That'd be pretty good. 
Awesome. That's where that's where all my like diabetes videos and stuff though that I can't really go on Instagram. Yeah. Well, so, Greg, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know it means so much to me just after being a fan of the, your show and a fan of everything you guys are doing over at Type One Run. Thank you so much. I'm super honored that you that you wanted to talk. So, you know, the pleasure's all mine. Hey guys, once again, thank you so much for listening to episode three of the Diabetic Running Podcast. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or visit me at the diabeticrunningpodcast.com. If you think you or anyone you know would be perfect for an interview for the show, please hit me up and send me a message on any of those platforms. Happy training, and I'll see you guys again next week. Music.